And welcome back to the South End Zone, brought to you by Belly Up Sports. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with Eric Molhair, my man. As always, back again. Eric, the semifinals are in the books. Yep. We're going to recap the semifinals. Michigan over the Tide and Washington. Good call on the plus four and a half maneuver over the horns. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about picks in a few minutes. We'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to all that, so... Uh, yeah, pretty uh, surprising result for a lot of people, but uh, let's di- let's dive into it, man. Before, but before we do, uh, how you doing, man? Would you, do you have a good weekend? Yeah, I, I mean, weekend was kind of chill. Got some stuff done around the house. Uh, kind of coming out of Christmas break, back to reality, and uh, you know, kids kids go back to school tomorrow. My wife had to work today, so normal to reality of. Back to the reality of what? Be, still being retired? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tough reality. <laughs> yeah. I was back to work yesterday. Damn it. Right. See, back to reality. You know, we're both in the same boat. Yeah. Well, speaking of reality, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people got hit with a big dose of reality uh, on Monday, and I don't think that it was the what the majority of people thought was going to happen. I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, I know the Vegas lines were what they were, but mm-hmm. the general consensus seemed to be leaning in the opposite direction of what actually happened. So, yes. Uh, so let's dive into it. Uh, which one you want to talk about first? I, I really don't care which. I mean, I have, I have the Rose bowl game, uh, my notes for the Rose bowl game up on the, All right. the front. Okay. All right. All right. Well, check your internet while you're at it. Make sure your kids aren't playing Call of Duty. You're kind of freezing up. No, I, I but, got uh, two of them. Two of them I kicked out. They went bowling, and uh, I think I got one Fortniter. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah. So Rose Bowl, Michigan, Alabama. Yep. Uh, but I'm going to preface this this discussion with something that. We've talked about on the show countless amounts of times. If this is your first time watching the show or listening to the show, uh, we appreciate you for joining us and uh, click the subscribe button while you're at it. But something I, I've got it in my Twitter bio, man. Yep. And it's, it's, it's basically our show's motto at this point. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's become that we we talk about it so much because so many results revolve around it, and that is. If the O line sucks, nothing else matters. Yep. And that's when I look at the Rose Bowl. Yeah. And I can not, sit not to interrupt you, but I, I would argue there's not even an O line. Like if you're just if you're shitty up front, period. Yeah. I don't care which yeah. side of the ball. Um, yeah. I mean D line. Yeah, if the D line is shitty, you can at least get into a shootout on the offensive side and potentially win a shootout if your defense shores up the back end somewhat. So, you know, there's, there's that, but if you're shitty up front on offense, like you're, you're in trouble. So, so let's dive into it. 27, 20 final. It goes to overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the lines go, we, we both coming in really didn't understand why the lines were what they were. And yep. we found out Caden Proctor was a little banged up. And that's most likely why the line kind of swung towards Michigan. Yeah, I think it moved and, a point or half a point. Um, yeah, yeah, it moved. Uh, I think from one and a half to two and a half, uh, something along those lines. Yeah, so. even even with the the higher percentage of money on Alabama, correct, moved the opposite direction. Yeah, so Vegas uh, cleaned up here. It would seem. Yes. But, uh, Stunning. <laughs> yeah, shocking. I know. Water's wet. So, yeah, indeed. So I want to get your general thoughts here before, because uh, for those of you who don't know, if this is, again, if this is your first time watching the show, I'm an Alabama fan. So I have my thoughts. Uh, I'll give a little bit of just general sort of non unbiased thoughts, and then I'll give the Homer take uh, for those of you who might care for that. So, uh, but Eric, give me your general overview of the game like what surprised you what didn't let's hear it um well what surprised me is we went a combined 0 for 5 on this game 
<laughs> yeah. uh, we'll, get, we'll get that out of the way. Talk about the picks um, before we get into the the hows and whys. But we both took mm-hmm. Alabama money line plus 108. Obviously, that was a miss. We both yeah. took Michigan under 23 and a half, which was looking good for a while. Uh, ended up being a yeah. miss. And you were also on Alabama over 21 and a half. Yep. Um, didn't quite make it. But as for the game itself, I think it kind of boils down to what you said. What surprised me um, – Two things jumped out at me. Michigan's defense is faster than I expected coming in. Yes. Um, I, knew, I knew they were good because uh, I've watched them enough throughout the year that they're, you know, gap discipline. They fit the run well. They they tackle extremely well. I knew all that, but matched up on a field with a team like, um, you know, an Alabama or a Georgia or even an Ohio State, they look faster to me that I remember thinking they looked in the Ohio state game. Um, sure. So that kind of surprised me. The other thing that obviously really surprised me and I suspect surprised both of us was their physicality up front. They were noticeably better up front, both sides of the ball than Alabama was. And that I really did not expect. I thought Alabama would be better. I didn't think they'd completely manhandle them like Georgia did two years ago, mm-hmm. but I thought, would be better than them up front, right? And win those battles. And they did not. They got, I thought, thoroughly outplayed up front, um, which is where a large portion of the result came from, was that uh, Alabama was just in so many bad down-and-distance situations, couldn't really establish the run, broke a couple of big ones. We can get into that later. But you look at their third down and blank to go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people look at a box score and say, oh, God, they were 3 of 13 on third. They weren't any good on third down. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Michigan wasn't either, really. I mean, that's they were they were just as bad. Yeah, both teams struggled on third down. And it's not because they're bad on third down. It's because they were bad on first and second down. Right. So Alabama faced third and 12, 1, which they converted, scored in the next play. 11, 23, 9, 4, they converted. Three, they did not. 29, four, three, they converted. Nine, 10, and 14, which was effectively goal to go uh, in overtime. Yeah. Michigan, very similar. Eight, eight, nine, six, 10, nine, nine, eight, nine, 17, two. So um, the, the O line play and, and Michigan winning up front to me when I watched, because I watched the whole thing, obviously, and then I watched. Uh, about, I guess about half because I watched on the rewatch mostly Alabama's offensive line, right? So I mostly watched when they had the ball, what did they do? And then I watched Michigan's mm-hmm. scoring drives. Um, and their first down play, they really, they'd have four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They had nine first downs that I would consider was a successful play. Uh, which mm-hmm. I personally defined as more than three yards, right? However, yeah. they got there, pass it, run it, scramble. Um, mm-hmm. And that is, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 21 first downs that I would say were not successful. So, you know, in that range anywhere. From yeah, that ranged anywhere from a three-yard gain to a 13-yard loss on a sack yeah. slash bad snap. So Yeah, you can chalk up six of those on sacks um, right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sack, 13 yards, uh, snap, 13 yards, a false start that turns into <laughs> first and 15, and suddenly suddenly you're like, okay, well, running the ball isn't as good an option, right? You're you're, you limit yourself somewhat on first down what you can do, right? Because you yeah. want to get that back and get back ahead of the chains. So both teams fought the chains, I thought, all game. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're both kind of playing that field position game for a while because neither offense yeah. could really could really get going much. Mm-mm, no. So I, I did not, uh, I guess to go back to your original question, I didn't expect Michigan to be as fast on defense as they were. Uh, and I certainly did not expect them to be the superior team up front. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would wholeheartedly agree. 
especially on the defensive side of the ball with them being so much better. I, I don't necessarily agree that Michigan thoroughly outplayed Alabama when Alabama was on defense outside of the two touchdown drives. You know, they had two drives where they were really effective. The rest of the game, for the most part, Alabama's defense played their asses off. I mean, if, they you, hold, if you hold Michigan to two touchdowns, you should win most of the time. But you, you should. And I guess when I say thoroughly outplayed them, I mean mostly when Alabama had the ball. Yeah. Yeah. So it, there's a couple of ways I can attack this. One, I'm not going to sit here and completely shit all over Seth McLaughlin. Like, I'm not going to do that. He, you know, I'm sure he's a good kid. Uh, yeah. He's, he's, he, I mean, he struggled. That, that's a fact. That is, yeah, you know, that's not like some he, personal attack. He he did not have a good game, right? I mean, I'll call it what it is and say that you know he personally like stalled and cost them two drives that were working, and they were moving the ball, and they just he snaps it and it goes rolling back by Milrow, or he fumbles it, or he just rolls it back to him. Two different two plays in a row on one drive, and on mm-hmm. another drive, he falls starts with a snap infraction. And maybe that's not all on him. Maybe some of that's on Mill Road timing. Who knows? I'm not out there, but he single handedly, in my opinion, killed two offensive drives. So that, for starters, is the first thing. However, like I say, he played pretty well for a lot of the season, so I don't want to completely shit on him and say he's terrible and he cost us the game and all that kind of stuff. He did jump in the portal today. Mm-hmm. So, like, that poor kid, he's probably, you know, probably wouldn't have got a nickel if he'd have come back. You know, I feel like yeah. I know I just, he told I can't, I can't imagine the coach that it DMs had nothing to do today. with an IL, but yeah, it's I, probably pretty bad. So, like I said, yeah. I, I'm not going to shit all over him. He had a bad game. It is what it is. But aside from him, the offensive play just in general, I think was somewhat hampered by the game plan. And if you were to box score recap this, you would look at what they did on the downs that they ran the ball. Mm -hmm. They had 21 carries for running backs. And between those you know, four guys that touched the ball, really only two of them had, you know, two of those four guys had one carry each, (laughs) you know, so yeah, Miller had one and count uh, those guys. Roydale had another. Yeah. Yeah. So one for an 11 yard gain, one for like a one yard loss or something. So those I don't even worry about, but if you just look at what McClellan and Haynes did, I mean, when you're talking about averaging, north of five yards of carry for both of those guys kind of makes you wonder like Milrow carrying the ball 21 times. And, you know, I know some of those are fumbled snaps and whatnot, but kind of makes you wonder what they're doing. Like the run game seems to be working. Why are they going away from it? But again, maybe they saw something. I'm not out there. I'm not a coach, but it just, when I see those kinds of numbers, I'm like, I don't really know what the game plan was other than just we're going to put it in Milrose hands and just let him run around with it and scramble and try to make plays and make shit happen. Yeah. And I think some of it was the down and distance they found him in. They found themselves in part of it. Yeah, no doubt. I'm sure if you, if you drop back on first down and you've got a big fucking animal in your face immediately, then sure. But to me, the the reason why I have like an issue with that, and this is not like a fan take, this is just in general football take. Like if you're sitting there, like I'm watching the game, and I can sit there before the snap, but I know that Michigan is bringing at least five dudes. Like they're bringing heat. They're coming. I'm going. Why would you not scheme against that? It's like, well, here we go. They're bringing five guys, maybe six, and they're going to be in our face immediately. What happens? We drop back. They're in our face. Sack. And I'm like, <sighs> like, how can I sit here on the TV and diagnose what's about to happen? Like, why would you not run some screens, run a toss sweep to the weak side, something like 
So the play calling and the offensive game plan, I feel like, I, I feel like it was shitty. That's all I can say. Like going, cause I went back and watched it and I just looked at what they were trying to do and it didn't really match up with what they had done one, like against Georgia right? and uh, against teams like LSU and Ole Miss. It didn't really look the same. But I say all that to say the entire offense looked like a shell of the team that went and played Georgia in Atlanta. They looked nothing like them. Like I watched that offensive line bully Georgia up front, yep. you know, and – if you're telling me that Michigan's defensive line is that much better than Georgia's, I'll yeah, listen it, to it. It was weird because it, it looked a lot in, in terms of offensive line play. It looked a lot like the Texas game. And that was kind of the low watermark of their yeah. season offensive line wise. And, and But you watch them throughout the year and, okay, they're getting better. They're getting better. They're getting better. And it really looked like they were kind of peaking at the right time after the Georgia game. So I, I almost wonder if like yeah. the game plan was set up around some expectations of what Michigan was going to be able to do and what they couldn't. Um, and they might've kind of mid, misread Michigan. Like a lot of people did and said, okay, you know what, you know, you get in the game and you're like, okay, well, these guys are a little faster. They are fitting the run. Well, they are shutting this down. They're, they're, uh, you know, they're getting pressure. We didn't expect to give up this much pressure where we have to go to, mm -hmm. you know, bubble screens, middle screens. Uh, what I yeah, think they at that point centered their game scheming. plan around like we're we're better than them in this aspect. We're going to lean on that and it get in the game and realize shit. Maybe we're not. Yeah, and that's what I was. That was my next kind. So of for me, it's not to to your point. I don't know if it's as much game plan as it is adjustment that should have and did not happen. Right. Maybe be the that, better way that, to say it. Yeah, that was my next point was, okay, so if I can sit and diagnose that and I think the offensive game plan is shitty and it's not and to be fair, it is shitty. It's not working. So Yeah, you got 10 points at halftime. Yeah, the fact that they didn't adjust and didn't really like they they adjusted a little, like they've they've started basically just running Milrow. Like we're going to run him, you know, mm -hmm. instead of Honestly, it, it was just a little bit mind blowing. Like yeah. having watched every game of the season, and I'm sitting out there going, "This is like it. This is all we can dial up." Like when when Alabama had Sarkeesian or Kiffin, you would go into a playoff game and you would see shit you hadn't seen all season. Yeah, and you'd be like, "What the hell, man? These guys are dialing up shit I haven't seen all year." And I saw nothing new. In fact, I saw less than I saw against Ole Miss, LSU, Georgia, that kind of thing. It was less – um, what's the word I'm looking for? Less creative. It was yeah. just very vanilla, and that would tell me that the players and the coaches probably smelling themselves a little bit and underestimated Michigan big Yeah, time. I think there's maybe some – from the, the physical ability standpoint, some underestimation that might have happened. Yeah. Um, and I think by the time they realize, hey, you know, we're we're in a fight here. Well, it's mid-second quarter. <laughs> yeah. And it's – I also don't want to sit here and completely shit all over Alabama. They had a bad game. Mm -hmm. They may have underestimated them. They may have just played poorly, however you want to look at it. However, even as bad as they played – they were the football rolling another foot and a half into the end zone yeah, from winning away the game. from winning game. Yeah. Yeah. If that ball rolls another foot and a half on that drop punt, it's in the end zone. They drill him for a safety and it's ball game. And so yeah, as bad I mean, they, as overcame, they, played, they still had multiple chances to win. Yeah. They, they overcame some obstacles, obstacles, even if a lot of them were self-inflicted, like it appeared they were, um, yeah. You know, so I guess they, they adjusted enough and found a way to, to keep themselves in it and give themselves a chance to win. But the to circle back to McLaughlin, the one thing that I just cannot wrap my mind around is it's not like snapping issues or something new. Nope. It's and I just I don't Honestly, understand how that staff <laughs> before you before you move forward on that, 
I should say, I know what you're about to say. We've talked about this offline. It's so bad. It's almost impressive that over a 14 game season, you can't fix a snapping issue. Yeah. And it's like McLaughlin has had a good year otherwise, right? In terms of blocking, pass blocking, he's been a good player. Yeah. But the idea that Alabama um, and their coaching staff either don't or are ineffective at addressing like one of the basic functions of the game um, for a player who otherwise does well. Yeah, the the first step in learning how to play center, learning to snap the ball. Right. And and that's my, you know, people complain about the play call at the very end. It's like, well, the play, the the fourth down play in overtime, the play might actually work if the right tackle doesn't get blown up. That's what Uh, I was going to say. Jason Latham weighs 350 pounds, and he got blown off the ball into the backfield by a guy that is 100 pounds lighter than him. Yep, who started his college career at? Coastal Carolina. Um, <laughs> there you go. Go, go chance. Um, you know, but the snap was low. Right tackle gets yeah. blown up. And, and I circle back to not even the fact that they're in shotgun on fourth and two or fourth and three, which, as we detailed a couple of weeks ago, infuriates me. But it's like, you know, it's not even fourth and two or fourth and goal. It's fourth and season at that point. And you've had this yeah. issue all year. And it's been an issue multiple times that game, and you still you still go to it. And I just, you know, it just makes you wonder. Right? Saban always talks about, hey, as a coach, all we're trying to do is put our players in the best position to win. And I would argue they did not do that. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I mean, who outside of Milrow, who on that offense is the number one playmaker weapon that they have uh i'll go ahead and tell you it's isaiah bond it's pro- i would say uh, over the course of the season i would say bond uh, yeah. that particular game i, c- I kind of wonder why justice haynes didn't get the ball more yeah four carries he could be but he just didn't get enough run right and bond touched the ball four times for 47 yards and if i'm in that situation I look out wide and I've got Isaiah Bond one on one with the season on the line. He's my best playmaker. I'm throwing it up to him and just saying, go win us the game, dude. He already did it once. He did it against Auburn. So mm-hmm. you know he's capable of making a crazy play like that. And he's one on one, man. Just I think that's a higher percentage of success than turning a four, you know, fourth and four slash goal into fourth and seven by snapping it and then trying to run it with the quarterback. Right. I, I just a seven yard run versus just a one-on-one shot for the season. I would have taken that, but if Milrow scores, everybody says great play call. So I don't want to just sure. say shit all over the play call. Ultimately Latham got blown up. The snap was bad, which further threw off the timing, which prevented Milrow from getting in the hip pocket of his pulling guard. And he picked the wrong gap and got blown up. And yeah. that was it. So, yeah, live it looked like he just out of nowhere dove, and then they showed yeah. the replay like from behind. It's like okay, no, he he more or less got tripped. Like I don't know if you ever seen that clip of uh, <laughs> Reggie White. Yeah, and of course, of course, he's playing my Vikings. Um, and like they bring Chris Carter in motion, who's probably like one ninety, <laughs> and he he ends up one on one with Reggie White on the left side, and the quarterback is kind of a uh, rolling rolling drop and Reggie White just manhandles and just shoves him into the quarterback and you know, <laughs> kind of like give, give Chris Carter half a sack there um, Yeah, really is kind of what happened with Latham. I mean, he, he got, he got obliterated and pushed back into the quarterback. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was not a pretty play. It just knowing what I knew all game that was happening that being the final play call was just surprising. That's all. It was surprising. I'm not going to shit on it and say it was a terrible call or whatever. I just, I don't know. I don't know what he saw there that made him think that that's the best option. I don't know. I would love to be a fly on the wall uh, when that is happening and see, you know, what, like yeah. what, why did we think that was going to work? I don't know. I, w- I would yeah. love. To I'd also that. be curious to see what their, what their previous two play calls for that, would have been 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause, that right, been cause they line up, they line up, Michigan calls timeout. They come out, line up again, something mm-hmm. about Michigan's look. They didn't like Alabama called timeout. So, um, you know, it might not, it might not even be like, oh, well, that's your best play. Maybe it's not. Maybe their best play was the first play that Michigan called timeout. And now they're you're, they're kind of yeah. on, okay, what's our third best play? I don't think it was a bad call. I think it could have been there. I think it's just the execution the one was thing, lacking. Yeah, the one thing I'll say is if like, okay, if you don't think Bond can make the play, don't throw it to him. Sure, fine. I don't think it would have been smart to throw it out there hoping for a pass interference because one thing that I will say about this game is normally, you know, I'm complaining about too many penalties. Well, this game was not that. The refs, for the most part, let them play, dude. They they let a lot of shit on both sides go, uh, especially up front on the offensive line on both sides. I mean, they're... There were some just egregious missed holding calls on both sides. And um, I I noticed it once, and it was on the left tackle on both teams. The, yeah. One of them, 73 maybe, I can't remember, for Michigan. He <laughs> he basically just tackles yeah, Dallas Turner. It just like rips him to the ground, and we end up getting no gain, and we punt. And I'm like, I remember texting you. I was like, so he just tackles him. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. And like two drives later, Caden Proctor basically does the same thing and they don't call it. And I was thinking like, damn man. Okay. Well, and we actually, you know, we like got a big gain on that play and I'm thinking, right. well, all right. Okay. I guess they're, uh, they're just going to let them play boys. So uh, yeah, either call all of it or call none of it. Uh, right. The yeah. problem is when officials are kind of in between and it gets skewed. So. Yeah, so that that was uh, one good thing about the game is they left the flags in their pocket for the most part and didn't really call anything that was just utterly egregious. Uh, that the the unnecessary roughness on Michigan was a little bit yeah that was kind of weak. I would I I wouldn't have thrown that flag. I don't hate it, but it like you said when we were texting, every coach in America is going to coach his player to finish the play that way. Yeah. So it's kind of just unfortunate that it happened yeah, the, the sideline angle replay they showed slow-mo kind of looked bad if you watch mm-hmm. like the live speed play from the angle behind the offense you're like that's just a block yeah yeah so um that, that, i thought that all, was considering how the rest of the game was officiated i thought that was a supreme outlier uh of the call. <laughs> yeah yeah i would i would tend to agree there uh, so ultimately Alabama just comes up short. They, you know, the fan take that I would throw out there is that we got out coached and outplayed. We had our chance to win with four minutes to go yeah. and could not close the deal. Bottom line. That's what happened. And, you know, we just shot ourselves in the foot way too much. So that's the that's the fan take. You know, that's what I would say is we got outplayed, outcoached, and we shot ourselves in the foot way too much. We just choked. We had a chance and we blew it. So congrats to Michigan and Harbaugh. I just hope that nothing ever comes of this NCAA. I'll tell you what. It, yeah, in ten months from, ten months from now, we're talking about this being vacated. Like I was like, oh god. Yeah, I hope that never comes to pass. Could get ugly. Yeah. So let let's hope that. <laughs> nothing else comes of it and they just forget about it. Honestly, I don't, I don't want to hear anything else about it. So it's just going to, it's going to look bad, but so Michigan is headed to the national championship to play Washington Huskies. Yep. And I'm going to give my take on this game really quick after you review the picks that we had on it. So what did we take on Washington and Michigan? Uh, I took Washington plus four and a half points, and I took over 62 and a half. Uh, yeah. 37 31 final. Washington wins. So I hit both of those. Unfortunately, you were opposite of me on both of those. You laid four points with Texas, Indeed. and you took the under 62 and a half. So uh, week zero. Actually, I guess if if we make picks for the title game, um, you'll be on the tee box first because you went zero for five. Uh, so I went zero and two on the Rose Bowl, <laughs> what a two weekend. and two and zero in the Sugar Bowl, 
And on the strength of my Oregon minus 16 and a half pick, I finish semifinal weekend three and two. Mm. They, they obliterate Liberty. So, yeah, we kind of knew that was coming. I, I The ones that I feel the worst about was, you know, because we talked about them on the show last week. The ones that I just feel like an idiot for not taking was Missouri and Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I was yeah. stupid enough not to take them. Now, I did bet Ole Miss, but I didn't take it on the show. So I would have liked to have gotten that W here. But, uh, man, I, I should have taken – I should have taken Mizzou and Ole Miss because I mean we both felt like they would win, and you got really good numbers. I think it was yeah. I was gonna say Ole we Miss really, got up to plus one eighty five before I took it, and I was like, yeah. oh, I can't pass. That. Yeah, what we it's really good. liked was the value there with yeah the the money line because I think Missouri was one fifty something and Ole Miss was in the one eighties and yeah, it was one fifty two, and I think it got up to one sixty two for Missouri, and then uh, Ole Miss it it they went even further in the hole the day of the game, the like six yep. and a half points or something. And uh, I think I, <laughs> it was, yeah, they were plus six and I took them at plus one eighty five. I was like, yeah, give me old miss. I'll take it. So that was a, that was the one bright spot of my weekend that I actually did bet old miss and uh, make a little money there, but it's still not in the green based on my losses uh, on Alabama, either, my preseason, you know, because back in May, I bet him to win the national title. Right. And that was that was at like plus 480. So lost that bet, and plus I lost the Michigan bet. So that was uh, a rough weekend of betting. Old Miss helped me salvage a little bit. But um, all right, so let's discuss Washington and Texas here. Uh, to me, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. This looked like every other Washington game. It looked like Penix standing back there all day, with time to throw and hitting Odunze and Polk because no one can cover them. And I was the only thing that I was surprised about was what I said last week on the show. I thought Texas could get home. I thought they could get pressure on Penix. They didn't touch him. They didn't, they didn't get anywhere near him. His Jersey was clean when he left the field and he just torches them for four thirty. And Adunze is the best wide receiver in the country. I don't care what anybody says. He's better than Marvin Harrison. I watched it. <laughs> like, I don't, Sorry, Ohio State fans. Come at me if you like. But that guy's that dude, It just doesn't dude, matter. You can have perfect coverage. You can have him doubled. Yeah. Freakish. So that was my take on the Washington-Texas game. I didn't get to watch the whole thing. I was on the road. I watched uh, – the last seven or eight minutes of the game or so, and I caught the rest of the highlights. So I'm going to let you do, you know, most of the takes on this. It was just, I was surprised Texas couldn't get much pressure on them. And I was not surprised because we knew Texas's secondary was suspect coming in. We, we annotated yeah. that on and the that's show. What we talked about was, you know, both teams have struggled to defend the pass. Yeah. We both thought that Texas should be able to, get pressure, maybe force a mistake, get some sacks. That never happened. They finished no. with zero sacks. Um, yeah. you know, like the two guys we talked specifically about, Sweat and Murphy, right, on the interior, they combined for two solo tackles, zero sacks, zero pressures, 0.5 tackles for loss. Yeah. Um, I mean, I Washington. Think, uh, we knew Washington had a good offensive line. Yeah, we, Joe, uh, Joe Moore Award. Yeah. But, but they – they were kind of even better than advertised, I would say. Um, yeah, they hadn't faced a defensive line as good as Texas is no. all season, and they came out and they were capital D dominant. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> what, what else can you say? You know? Yeah. I, I don't know. I thought if Washington couldn't run the ball, they would be in deep shit, but it didn't matter. You know, Dylan Johnson goes for 49 yards. Yeah, they really didn't run the ball very well at all. Um, no. Their so. their team rushing yards are kind of propped up by Penix scrambling three times for thirty yards or whatever, but they didn't need to run the ball because if he dropped back, it was a completion basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just there's there's so many just preposterous statistics uh, about this. <laughs> like Penix completed six passes of twenty. 20 plus yards. 
that's air yards, not like, oh, through a screen and yards after cat, like they Jesus. attacked downfield. Um, a 97.7 QBR that's on a, on a zero to a hundred scale is insane. Um, yeah, that's 11.3 yards per attempt. He targeted wide receivers 20 times in that game. Do you want to take a guess at how many completions and yards he had on those 20 targets? I would guess like 18 or 19 completions. Eight, 19 completions for 353. <laughs> uh, Adunze, six for 125. Polk, five for 122 and a touchdown. Jalen McMillan, who has was kind of their number two guy coming into the year. He's battled injury all season and uh, five for 58 and a score. It's the, the accuracy with which he throws the deep ball where there's a couple, like particularly down the middle, right? Like on a long post and the ball's traveling 45 yards in the air. And it's almost like he couldn't just hand it to him any cleaner than he threw it. It's, Absurd. Put it on it. Um, yeah, put it on a dime. That was, in my opinion, the best game he's ever played. I like I say, I went back and watched uh, most of. Uh, I kind of condensed it and just fast forwarded through, you know, sure. the YouTube condensed version, and just watched the drives and fast forwarded to somewhat close to the scoring plays. But that looked like the best I'd ever seen him play. <laughs> I was like, damn man, this dude is just dropping dimes all over the yeah. field. It's stupid. So, yeah. And then, you know, Texas for their part, it's not like they played poorly. Uh, offensively, they were good. Ewers threw for 318 and the touchdown, carried the ball eight times for 54 yards. Uh, Baxter ran for 64 yards and a touchdown. Jaden Blue ran for 59 yards and a touchdown. They kind of did whatever they wanted on the ground. They were very effective. Each of those running backs did lose a fumble, um, which hurt them. But uh, the tight end, Sanders, caught. Six balls for 75 yards. Jordan Whittington, four for 70. Xavier Worthy wasn't as much of a factor as you might have expected. I think they had him, a guy over the top on him a lot. And I don't know. Yeah. You know, we, we do know he came out of the Big 12 championship game uh, with an injury. Tough to tell how much right. practice he got or how he's feeling. Yeah, but, I mean, he was in a he was in a walking boot there for for a time. So he right, you know, so could have been could have been banged up. But the the biggest thing that I was surprised by it's kind of the same thing as Alabama Michigan. Like I'm surprised Texas didn't try to just run it more and control the clock and take the air out of it because they had a lot of success running the ball. Yeah, and it it wasn't the same as Alabama Michigan where they were in bad down and distances consistently. You know, it wasn't like that for Texas. I mean, no. they had some bad down and distances here and there. Mostly, no, but, it, but it wasn't every drive. No, it wasn't. And I, I figured that Texas would try to play clock control a little more, take the wind out of it. Something. I, I, I was surprised they, that Ewers threw it 40 times. I, I was surprised at that. I figured they yeah. would try to slow it down, especially after, Washington jumped on them the way they did through the air. I was thinking like, shit, man, Texas needs to slow this thing down, take the air out of it, start running the ball. And yeah. they just never and, did, you know? They didn't. I mean, as a team, 28 carries for 180 yards. I mean, I that's, feel like they could have ran for 250 if they wanted to. Right. And that's kind of, you know, you, like we talked about offline, we talked about like McClellan and Haynes and okay. Yeah. Well, if you look straight at yards per carry numbers, somewhat misleading because sure. like McClellan was propped up like 60% of his yards in that game came on two carries. Other than that, it was a lot of three, three, two mm-hmm. Baxter blue, even Ewers. It really wasn't like that. They were, I mean, they were consistently gaining yardage. Yeah, where their longest carry is like eleven yards, you know. Yeah, so. and it's they they on, you know, much less feast or famine um, than the yeah. Alabama backs, and it really felt coming away from that like okay, if they'd have, they could have been every bit as successful on a per carry basis had they run the ball more. Um, yeah, for whatever reason, I know part of it is they got down thirteen late. Probably not going to run it then, but even. 
you know, when Washington's throwing it all over the yard, like through the entire first half, that to me would have been a good time to be like, okay, well, let's, let's go put a 12 play drive together here. Give our defense a break because these guys are not easy to chase around the field all night. Yeah, no, we haven't had success at all. So why don't we like spend the next seven minutes shoving it up their ass and go score? <laughs> like that's that was kind of my takeaway from going back and watching. I was like, man, they like I know they ran for 180 yards, but I feel like they could have really like just. I mean, Sarkeesian is a mastermind, dude. I feel like they could have torched Washington on the ground. I mean, I just I don't come away from that game thinking that Washington is much better of a football team than them. The only thing that I can say like Washington was significantly better than them at was two things. Uh, their offensive line was better than Texas's defensive line. And Texas didn't really dial up all that many blitzes. You know, they mostly were nope. trying to rush with four and get home that way. Yeah. I think the last cover. thing they want to do, I don't think they felt very good about putting their secondary in man on those three guys. I wouldn't. Right. And so, and that's understandable. So, you know, that was the one thing, but <laughs> the, the other thing is just Washington's receivers are just better than your secondary yeah. period. That's, that's really the only two areas where I felt like Texas was at a disadvantage in the game. But when Texas was on offense, I felt like they had massive advantage over Washington's defense for most of the game. And it just, didn't work out for him. I don't know. Kind of a fickle, weird game. Sort of. It's a little bit of a microcosm of Texas's whole season where all throughout the year, there was sort of an issue for them. They never once struggled to move the ball. It was just finishing drives. Um, they yeah, were very good yeah. in the red zone. That almost cost them a couple of games, cost them the game against Oklahoma. Yeah. Same sort of deal here, right? They're moving the ball. They get down and the guy fumbles as he's getting tackled at the 25. Yeah. Uh, sort of thing. So. Yeah, Texas. Uh, yeah, I, certainly still a good year. I I don't know if we want to say Texas is back yet. Uh, that means different things to different people, but they're certainly on the right track. They've you well, know, five, got a, five uh, wins to eight to eleven. So yeah, they they got a different animal uh, starting next year. They do. <laughs> we'll we'll see if they're back because if they run through the SEC next year and get to the SEC championship, then I'll start talking like shit. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're now we're talking because when you're talking about having a whole off season to prepare for Alabama, and then having a month to prepare for Washington. I'm like, maybe like we'll see how they do week to week when they sure. got to go play somebody tough every single week. Yeah, I, don't know. I know it's not going to be easy sledding, but I would also tell you, I think they're 10 times better positioned to enter the SEC than they were when they announced they were going to the SEC a year and a half ago. Well, Sarkeesian uh, will do that, man. He can, yeah, uh, light up, he can light up scoreboards and recruit. So, yep. Uh, he is the opposite of Texas A&M who has all the resources in the world, but no coach. Yeah. Know? And can recruit <laughs> so, and really can't yeah. do much with it. Yeah. So, all right. So speaking of Washington and Michigan, uh, mm -hmm. Michigan minus four and a half. The total is 55 and a half. What's your initial thoughts here on this game? Initial reaction is over. <laughs> over. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think Michigan is going to watch that game and realize like, we can run the ball on these guys just as well as Texas could on a, on a play per play basis. Yeah. Uh, we're good enough up front on the offensive line and our backs are good enough. Washington's run defense is suspect. Good. I don't want to say suspect, but it's, they're pretty average. Uh, so Michigan offensively, I think this is a pretty good matchup for them because they don't have to go in relying on J.J. McCarthy to go throw for 350 and four touchdowns. I think they can control the clock, like you know, kind of like you're talking about, where we kind of think Texas maybe should have leaned on that more. I think Michigan probably will try to run the ball more, pass here and there, maybe set up a play-action shot or something, but really lean on the run game because I think they can be successful. Uh, defensively, kind of interested to see. Um because another really good defensive front that gave an O-line problems, and we'll see what Washington can do with that. I, you might see, um, you might see more blitzes because I think Michigan maybe has a better chance to play a little more 
kind of zero coverage and, and send extra guys and cover those receivers. Not every play, certainly, but I think they can pick their spots to to bring a pressure maybe in the obvious passing down situation. But I still think Washington is going to get there. So I think their O-line is good enough to hold up where it's not a the passing game is not a total catastrophe. I think they can keep Penix upright. And those receivers are just, they're going to make plays, right? It's like, uh, you know, in the NBA, if you're playing the Lakers, well, you can either try to stop Kobe Bryant or you can just accept the fact that he's going he's to score 35. Yeah. So we need this other yeah. guy to not go off and, you know, kind of contain the other guy. That sort of deal, you know, you're not going to hold Penix to 160 yards passing and shut out these receivers. I just don't think it's going to happen. But no, I think you can I not let them run wild on you either. And I think yeah. Michigan's front is good enough to stop the run and make Washington throw it a bunch. Um, mm. So I do think both teams will score. Yeah, uh, point totals are 25 and a half for Washington and 30 and a half for Michigan. So Yeah, I, I think both teams off, offensively have favorable matchups. So I think there will be some points here. Um, as for the spread, I think I would probably, and I haven't like, decided final decision on this, but I think I would probably lean taking those points with Washington. That's yeah. I would tend to agree with that. I, uh, I, just, I think it they, comes down. I think it comes down to one thing, dude. And we saw what Michigan's defensive line did to Alabama. It just murdered them. Basically. Uh, <laughs> if Washington can protect Penix, I feel like they'll win. Hmm. I think they're just Adunze and Polk are just too damn good. And it's like it's like the Miami Dolphins. You know, you got Waddle and Tyreek Hill out there. If they can protect Tonga Vailoa, there's only you can only cover those guys for so long before they're open. <laughs> so Penix being able to spin it the way he does, if the offensive line protects him, I feel like they'll win. Uh now on the other side of it. You just have to slow Michigan down because McCarthy is shit. I don't care what anyone says, and Harbaugh can call him the best quarterback in Michigan history. It's a load of bullshit. I watched that guy play a few times this year. He's not, he's average, dude. He's just average. And so he's, he's, he's a good quarterback. Like if, if you wanted me to list who I think are the 10 best quarterbacks in college right now, he's, I don't think he's, he's on it. No, he's not on the list. So, if they can just keep the offense in front of them, you know, don't make any crucial mistakes and let them blow by you. Don't give up the 60 yard runs or don't do like Alabama and let Corum slip out of the backfield on fourth and two and nobody be within the same area code of him. Mm -hmm. You know, don't do that kind of stuff. Then I feel like it's a good matchup for Washington. I've consistently underestimated them, you know, with regard to, Power ratings wise, like I didn't think they had the dudes in the trenches to compete with the likes of Oregon and with the likes of Texas, but they've proven me wrong three times yeah. now. And so strike three, I'm out. I got to start believing it. So if they can protect Penix, I feel like they win. That's my take on it. So I mm. would agree and take the points with Washington. Yeah. I think if they just go out there defensively and say, okay, you know what? Fine. Michigan can score a touchdown, but you're going to need 13 plays to do it. Um, yeah. Then, you know, that sort of works in Michigan's favor a little bit, maybe as far as, you know, defense not being out there all the time. But, you know, at a certain point, you just have to accept that an offense is so good. It doesn't matter. Like, they're still going to, you know, yeah, we could keep our defense off the field, but they still got to go out there and cover these guys. And I don't know. Nobody's been able to do it all season. No, I don't know if they can. And then, you know, it gets down to be a, a, a close game. Um, and I guess at this point, you sort of have to trust Kalen DeBoer to, to win those close games against good teams because that's all he's done. Yeah. Like for, you said last week, he wakes up in the morning and he beats ranked teams. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what he, that's what he does. So I don't know. It'll be anxious to see. Um, I'll, I'll be anxious to see it. I, you know, personally, I kind of would like to see Washington win. Uh, they haven't won one since 1991, I believe, yep. was the last one. So yeah. I'd like to see them win. Uh, them headed to the Big Ten 
I think that's uh, you know good for the Big Ten that they got two teams in the national title this year. So good for them. But uh, it'd be an interesting dynamic if Washington were to win it and head to that conference next year. You know, that's that's pretty interesting. So we'll see. Uh, all right. So anything yeah, else? Yeah, I don't know if I would take Washington plus the four and a half or just go straight money line at plus 160, I guess would be my what I'm waffling. Plus 160, that's pretty good value. I don't hate the pick, to be honest. Uh, I may take that in the text thread. I don't know. (laughs) I may end up betting it. I'm not sure, but I definitely would go ahead and take the points probably. So for the purpose of this podcast, I'll take the points. Mm. So. All right. So anything else we need to cover? I don't think there's anything uh, breaking or nuts that we haven't really touched on uh, other than the fact that LSU, Brian Kelly fired his entire defensive staff, yep. rightfully so, because they were complete yeah. shit on defense this year. So Yeah, they wasted the country's best offense. <laughs> they did. That's exactly what I was telling uh, somebody today. I forget who it was, but I was like, man, if they played one shred of defense, they probably went would have went undefeated. I mean, their offense was so stupid good. You, they wasted the Heisman winner, and it's kind of a, a USC yeah. situation last year. You know where you had Caleb it's, Williams. It's very similar because I think yeah. if you look at the three games they lost, right? Because that was the big thing against. Oh well, he can't win the Heisman. They lost three games. It's like well, their they points per game, their points allowed in those three losses was I want to say like forty six. Yeah, fifty five to Ole Miss. They gave up. I think 40, 48, I think to Alabama, 45 to Florida state. It, yeah. it was just, Oh, so bad. Yeah. I'm actually, I guess wait till after the bowl game, I suppose. I'm sure he decided on that a month ago that that was going to happen, but yeah, probably. Yeah. We'll see yeah. who they get in there. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting. So, all right. Well, that will do it for us this week. Like I say, we appreciate everybody for watching, listening. Uh, go ahead and subscribe for us if you haven't. And you can follow us on social media at South End Zone Pod. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube here. And uh, you can follow me at Jason Bailey 47. You can follow Eric at Eric Mulhair. We'll be back with you next week to recap the national title game and get into the offseason. Eric, what are we doing next week? Or Aside from the recap, are we just going to recap and bounce, or are we going to jump into some win total recaps? What are we doing? Probably recap and bounce. Um, All right. Just to be completely honest, uh, we have spots to fill throughout the spring that we don't have filled yet, so we may be kind of space space things out a little bit fair Uh, enough i I thought about just taking a week off after the national championship i don't know could that's an option too i mean we're not like contractually bound with anybody to to do this um no so and frankly after the national championship game a lot of a lot of people sort of tune out um indeed once once kind of all the dust has settled from that so we'll see the next thing after that whenever it happens will probably be the conference by conference win totals review maybe do uh you know two conferences and then two conferences next week and kind of wrap that up that'll be good i'm looking forward to it yeah we'll be putting a a bow on the season here in just a few short weeks and uh moving on to 2024 man should be interesting it's going to be a completely different landscape so we'll see what happens but uh until then catch you guys later on thank you very much Have a great day.